Oh, hello out there in this snowy paradise in Wonderland. It is I, Nick Mahalik, for Book Record Beer Season 5, Episode 5555. And as always, I am surrounded remotely by my good buddies, one Nick Gregorio. Hi, everybody. And of course, Daniel DeFranco. I can escape anything except this cast. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I love that one. That's great. Um, So what are we talking about? Why did Daniel say that? Why are you confused? We are going to be, this is a Gregorio cast. So we have uh, DC Comics, Mr. Miracle. Um, We we did the first one, right? I noticed there's two, correct, Nick? No, this is a one-off. This is a one-off? Yes. So when I went to pick it up, there was an option. So perhaps there's a deluxe edition or something like that. No, there's several different Mr. Miracle series have run. This was a one-off 12-issue maxi. Ah. So they they, And uh, the New York Times would call this a graphic novel. Um, Yeah. (laughs) As they do. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to be looking at Mr. Miracle by one Tom King uh, and Mitch... Gerards, is that correct? I actually have no idea. I tried to look it up, and other podcasts have had um, episodes where they tried to figure out how to pronounce it. <laughs> I, I'm just saying it like my mom when she says like three words in Italian. So she says Gerard, like that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna say Gerards. Um, and uh, we are going to be looking at the band Philadelphia's Own Nothing, um, their album uh, that. <laughs> Somehow was released uh, last year in 2020, The Great Dismal, and then Treehouse Brewing's Haze. Correct? Mm. That's it. Mm. Uh, awesome. I, uh, I couldn't get my hand on any haze, so I picked up a, uh, a true-to-form yingling traditional lager. <laughs> I thought it fitting. Um, awesome. All right, so... Uh, if we were to introduce these dudes, and, and I, I am going to do so um, in a way that perhaps will upset the chooser, but maybe through our discussion, it'll make a lot of sense. Um, this is uh, bootleg superheroes. Oh, um, I'm boy. sure the uh, the general populace who may not be super engaged with comics will know sort of the guys in the Avengers and maybe the movies and stuff like that may not know Mr. Miracle. Um, so I'm going to introduce us as bootleg superheroes. Uh, I can see Nick Gregorio. He just deflated. <laughs> I was really excited, and yeah. I am pretty fucking I, I bummed s- out. Daniel, you are uh, Frankenstein the doctor's monster's doctor. What? That's, Hold on. <laughs> that's, your, that's your bootleg superhero. You, uh, so I'm, Franken- I'm Frankenstein's doctor. You are Frankenstein's <laughs> monsters doctor, so you you keep him alive. You're you're the dude who's who's uh, somehow uh, you okay. know just just doing <laughs> regular checkups on uh, the, the the monster that was you know brought to life through uh, through lightning and ingenuity. Um, Take it. <laughs> and uh, Nick Gregorio, you are uh, Super Mall Walker man. You can outrun, outwalk rather through the mall the uh, the grandparents and uh, elderly who uh, you of course have nice conversations with and um, and will of course sit down for a coffee and a croissant. I haven't been there in a year and I am sad. Dude, I um I think about that sometimes the proximity for you and how kind of jealous I am because I 
that's like such a part of my childhood just like being dropped off at the mall <laughs> and going to walden books and walking yeah. around and you know that kind of stuff so i definitely uh yeah that that seems like a good time no um it's a treat yeah <laughs> i'm going to um i'm going to uh redeem the bootleg and we're going to go with uh, i'm going to introduce you as a character from mystery men <laughs> and that's you would great be, oh mystery man was so awesome yeah you would be the blue raja uh talking in riddles that only you understand <laughs> oh my god that's awesome i can't believe i was thinking about this and i that movie like didn't pop into my head that and was um, like when we were in middle school that was so it was a while ago yeah it's classic wasn't and there like uh, a, a guy who had like amazing farts like he was propelled by his farts yeah played by um peewee herman i think yeah <laughs> his name absolutely is yeah um and gregorio just to uh assuage your um uh perforated tuchus um, <laughs> <laughs> what a line you are a combination of mr furious <laughs> yeah that'll do and and uh Giving the nature of your activity today, shoveler. <laughs> so there you go. Great. That's what's that name intro. again? It's Mr. Plow. <laughs> oh, I oh man, I had the jingle and I it just it just left. it flew right <laughs> out of my head too. Yeah. I was like, because that wasn't it. It was like that was off. Yeah. Um, let's move on. <laughs> yes, let's jump in. All right, so uh, let's start with with Mr. Miracle, released by DC. Eisner Award winner for both the um, the writer and the artist. So we, we have uh, an award-winning piece here. Um, Nick, do you want to give us any background on these guys? Is there any uh, other pieces that they're associated with that perhaps uh, people might know or want to check out if they like this one? Yes. Um, so Mr. Miracle was a, um, a bringing back of the original Mr. Miracle from 1971 by Jack Kirby. Um, hit the fourth comic in his uh, fourth world series that um, DC published then. Um, and Tom King is relatively new to the comic scene. He's a former CIA agent. Um, he really broke out with um, a similar sort of idea. A 12 issue um, tells a single story in a really bizarre fashion that breaks the mold from the character itself and kind of reinvents it. Um, he did that with Marvel comics. It was, uh, the vision, which is what, uh, the new Marvel series WandaVision is loosely based on. Um, oh, that's neat. and he also did like a 70 issue run on Batman. And, um, he did, did you say a, did you say a 70 issue run? Yeah. A bi a bi-monthly schedule as well. So what's that? Twice a month. Two, for math is not my strong suit. Three years? Yeah. Just about? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was an impressive run. I did not like his Batman run. I feel like he he, he writes better self-contained stories. Um, um, but, um, and he also did another book called Sheriff of Babylon with Mitch Jaraz, as we're calling him, um, which was a, <laughs> a creator-owned book uh, back in the day. And it's actually, there's an Easter egg for that book in this one. Um, and so, cool. so just for for clarity's sake, um, a creator-owned book is one like um, a trillium that we've done before, right? Right. Where it's one that doesn't use licensed characters. 
Right, yeah. So it's completely invented by the yep. uh, yeah, by the writer. Nice. And uh, also as just a, a quick um, heads up, dear listener, uh, one of the central pieces um, of the story is uh, suicide. Uh, Mr. Miracle attempting to take his life. So um, if we are, are we calling that a, a, a trigger warning or what's the... Yeah, that's content warning. Warning. content warning, sure. Content warning, yeah. yeah. So there's a content warning for that that will certainly come up um, uh, throughout because it is it is sort of the the center uh, of the of the story, though it happens very early on. Um, so yeah. this is your excuse to shut us off if you are <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, into yeah. comics. Uh, well, fuck these guys. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, Nick, do you want do you want to? Uh, uh, give us a sort of like a, a heads up on that um, first edition of Mr. Miracle like what was the 70s one about was that the same world was it the same yeah. sort of premise as what we have here or uh, has he departed sort of massively from that original piece yeah so the the Jack Kirby's fourth world was um, essentially Kirby and Stan Lee when they worked together at Marvel had a very contentious relationship um, so much so that when Jack Kirby died, um, Stan Lee went to his uh, funeral and sat alone in the back um, because he knew nobody wanted to see him there. Um, but he, went, so he made the gesture, he but did. also made another gesture. He did. Um, <laughs> but Jack was so pissed off at Marvel that he, that he was going to make this uh, war between two worlds that would end in Ragnarok in the Thor mythos. Um, and he was so pissed off that Marvel wanted like almost complete creative control over it, that he took the concept, remolded it and took it over to DC as Jack Kirby's fourth world, which was essentially two cosmic, uh, sides of a coin battling for galactic supremacy. And there were four titles in it. Um, and Mr. Miracle was the fourth, uh, and final and longest running. Um, it lasted 11 issues in 1971 and, it was also created in this way because Jack Kirby saw the newsstand comics running their course, no longer being a viable option for comics readers. So he had the idea that if you write self-contained stories and sell them as collections, um, and that eventually is what <laughs> that I mean, the graphic what novel. We now call as the graphic is, novel. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it came directly from Jack Kirby, and most all superhero comics in general came from Jack Kirby. So they do that. So he started the um, the self-contained arcs. He did. Is what you're saying. He did. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Of, I mean, of you, characters that, that aren't what we would call now like franchised. Correct. Yeah. Um, and now what you're looking at now is a radical departure, but a spiritual sequel to um, elements of the fourth world, but in a much more modern context and... Mr. Miracle is like a fan favorite. He's one of these guys that pops up every now and then and people go nuts when they see him because he's just like one of Jack Kirby, the, the late, great Jack Kirby's most fantastic uh, creations. So let me ask you this then. Like, um, with that in mind, and, and what you said kind of puts a lot of things in context as far as questions that I had mm -hmm. um, and things that, that seemed... Um, I... I to be perfectly honest, um, I don't want to say without uh, thought, but more so campy in a way that I 
was like unimpressed with and put off by. Um, and so when I when you say that, like that he's this fan favorite stuff like that, I immediately think Deadpool. Mm. Um, because that sort of character reminds me of that. And then when I notice some of the quippy stuff and some of the, the humor that's in this mm -hmm. um, and, and, and what goes on there, th I kept thinking Deadpool um, and, and things like that. But I like uh, Deadpool far more. But it's because it's difficult for me to read uh, a superhero comic, watch a superhero movie and not be comparing it to this, you know, sort of vast array of superheroes that we've had throughout um you know our lifetimes you mm -hmm. know what i mean no, uh, it makes so, sense. so that's kind of always the always the thing and when i was looking at the um so so we have here uh, just to, to set it up uh mr miracle who is um uh in a very i think ancient greek way the child of uh the good god uh who to prevent war um, basically millions more uh, deaths. Uh, the good God is, is battling the devil, essentially, the, the evil God, uh, dark side. And um, the two deities dis decide to uh, exchange firstborns uh, to prevent uh, more bloodshed. Yep. And so Mr. Miracle is the son of, uh, you know, the, the, the good guy. And, um, the high father the high father exactly and he uh you know lives in this place with a uh, good old granny uh getting really just abused <laughs> yeah his whole child he lives in the ex pit with a with a, a slave driver who is abused <laughs> he just gets abused the whole time and he uh as, as this baby as this child is continually escaping uh so when he finally does uh, escape completely he uh, makes his way to our planet uh, as a great escape artist known as Mr. Miracle uh, taking over a dying man's um, act yep. if you will mm -hmm. uh, right. and his sidekick Oberon uh, and and then um, you know that's kind of I think the the beginning and of course another child from the pit uh, Big Barda uh, is his wife Yep. And she is a fury as well. Um, another sort of like a mythos reference there. Yep. Um, and uh, shall we say that's a good intro? Or no, it's perfect. Add, Nick? It's perfect. Yeah. Um, well, we also, we also have Orion as well. The other, Orion, the other right. swappy. Right. So Orion is, of course, Darkseid's uh, firstborn who is then given to High Father. Yeah. Yeah. And he, fa he factors into the, the plot. He absolutely does. Significantly, I, I, yeah. Totally yeah. apologize that I missed that guy. <laughs> well, um, and that's one of the things, uh, too, is um, when I'm reading through this, I am constantly reminding myself that these are uh, self-contained, not self-contained, but they are issues, right? That are yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's serialized. So with that, some of the uh, deaths were abrupt for me, uh, Ober or Orion's being one of them. Um, I thought that mm. was that was abrupt and I felt like he didn't get the page time he he deserved. So it was things like that that were my first like sort of major um, sort of major just like I Pacing. guess guess like it, it took me out a little bit and I was like, is this meant to be campy with the obvious sort of like references to the ancient Greek and Roman myth? Is this meant to be obvious that we have like these characters who look like characters from the Marvel universe, 
um, you know, dark side especially, and and uh, you know uh, the the color patterns are very similar to like an Iron Man for Mr. Miracle. This this kind of stuff just kept popping into my head, and I was like, I think it's meant to be campy, and I don't ever really go for for camp. So I was wanted to bring that up first. Like, did you guys find it to be campy in the same way? Am I missing something, or is that the intention? And it's just not so, my bag. That's a good question, and. It is campy. Um, we have Funky Flashman narrating this in uh, one of one of my overly, favorite characters. Yeah, huh? overly alliterative um, captions that be, bring in and end every issue. Um, and that was those were taken from the Jack Kirby seventy one uh, issues, right? Um, I actually Fra- Funky Flashman was meant to both mock and praise Stan Lee. Yeah, I I, understand, um, I did a little bit of research, and my understanding yeah. is that the opening well, and closings yeah. were pulled right from Kirby as sort of a little... Yeah, I mean, that, that might very well be the case. I didn't, it, I mean, I didn't realize that. That'd be pretty damn cool. But, like, Funky Flashman yeah. is this um, over-the-top comics guy who looks and acts like Stan Lee did. Um, and you have, you know, you... you Stan Lee <laughs> is the reason for these characters existing. And I, because Jack Kirby was like, fuck Marvel, I'm done. Now, you also said like um, they remind you of Marvel characters when these were the progenitors. Like Darkseid, Thanos came from Darkseid. Like they made uh, Thanos okay. after Darkseid. Because okay. um, they look identical. They are. And that was intentional uh, on Marvel's part. They saw how beloved the fourth world characters became and said, Mm. we need to make a cosmic presence that reminds people of that. So they'll come back to us because DC Mm. and Marvel's battle back and forth was, was basically stealing from each other for for (laughs) 40 years. (laughs) Um, And you have like, it's it's like uh, a vanilla ice just put in the extra note. Very literally. And like, I, like there's a wonderful book about the history of Marvel Comics that I won't get into, but like these guys were, um, they were losers. They were losers and they loved drugs and they loved making funny books and they just tried to one-up each other all the time. Um, and that's where, but now we have these billion-dollar franchises built on characters that were meant to basically just mock each other. Um. Yeah. So, so what do we think? So that's a really good point. What do we think King's doing then by reprising it? So this is he is he throwing a middle finger up too? So there's a lot of things. There's a, there's some mockery. There's a lot of praise. I mean, they're they're they're. I mean, he's very faithful to what the fourth world books were, but he's also mocking Stan Lee, but also giving him like this sort of fatherly um, role toward the end where he's like like basically the nanny of Scott and Barta's son, Jacob. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so he's, that's what I liked him. That's yeah. when I got into him. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was like, now you have a, uh, not only a presence, but also a role yeah. to play in this story. That's more than just narration. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked sort of his, f- his philosophy. Uh, he, he sort of like represented a particular philosophy for life. I mm. thought, um, and and that was living it, you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. uh, moment to moment, um, and and sort of like uh, trusting that we're all 
in a very similar boat on a very similar page whether we choose to recognize it or not and and him being funky and and you know being <laughs> named that and being this this kind of dude that he is as you describe and i won't you know do again um that i i really that was the sh- one of the shining parts for me mm. um because that also broke free from me being reminded of saga because i kept i kept thinking this domesticity for these superheroes of of these sort of two different worlds i guess you could say even though they're from the same world um and you know the overt sort of feminist themes and stuff like that with barda being like twice miracle size and and saving him constantly <laughs> um i was like it just remind i don't know if you thought the same but it, it reminded me of saga a lot and i thought that saga played the humor and the domesticity for these these really powerful beings um a little bit a little bit better because it was it wasn't as campy i guess you could say yeah i, I mean I love Saga. It's one of my favorite books ever. I, I, I do not consider them anywhere close to comparable. Um, well, that's just for the domesticity. No, I get um, it. And, no, and, and the, sure. the parental sort of stuff. That's yeah. I wasn't comparing it in, okay, in any way enough. in terms of arc fair or anything enough. like that. But, um, um, but just those moments. Yeah. What, I, I got shot into Saga because that's the only other one I've ever seen that done with. Yeah. That, that's in, that's interesting that you made that that you made that three line. Um like, but just to just to add a little more um, history to that, uh, Mr. Miracle and Barda were characters in Justice League International in the '90s, and they were like the the couple that that lived in suburbia when they weren't fighting with the Justice League. So, like, it's another callback to this is like rife with reference, and it seems that way. Yeah, yeah that I mean, more. it's 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 so um, it's breaking, it's telling a very very sad adult story by playing on very kitty childish things that came from the history of these characters. Uh, and I think, I mean, I think I can understand where you're coming from though, because I, I don't know. My biggest fear going into this book was like, I read this in singles when it came out over a year. Um, and most of the issues, most of the quote unquote chapters, um, tell their own individual story. I mean, obviously it's all linked, but it's not as if like you're going from page 20 on chapter one and it directly picks up on page 22 in chapter two. You know what I mean? Um, But the, I couldn't remember if it did a proper introduction to these characters um, when I was reading it in singles. And the only reason I know this shit is because I, I deep dive into comics like, every day like that's just who i am um right right yeah um, that's what that's what my worry was was that i was going to be such an outsider mm-hmm. um and i i do have kind of a, a chip on my shoulder with wanting to to know more and dig more into manga and yeah. and, and comics and stuff and and be and getting like pushback from the people that <laughs> are, are meant to be like helping me do that yeah. you know what i mean um uh, and just you know feeling like a a, a fucking noob and and like you know, yeah. The well, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not making that. you feel that way. No, no. You, it's not you. I, I would have certainly had that conversation with you long ago. Um, we it, know who we're talking about. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's um, it's just a matter of with this one, I, I really, in the end, ended up, upon reflection, liking the story as the story. Mm-hmm. Um way more than when I was reading it. Hmm. 
as I was reading it, every few pages, I was, I was like, ah, man, whether it be the camp or, or some reference, perhaps I didn't understand or, or stuff like this. Um, but I didn't think it was this just like, just like jerking off of all these, you know, references and characters and things for like a nerd to just like be covered in jizz. You know, like I don't think <laughs> like a like a <laughs> Avengers Endgame or something where they're all in here and we're like a Patton Oswald rant where we're like, and then he flies into the Marvel universe <laughs> and we fucking oh god, and Batman has <laughs> choked out Superman. And it's like this like crazy I didn't think that was happening at all. Um and in fact uh, if if we can, I, I'd like to jump into the actual like story story. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, um, we should. Because we have we have this, you know, couple where he's busting free uh, in his his job uh, of being Mr. Miracle, the escape artist. And then, of course, war comes um, to their to their homelands uh, to the extreme that it was when the boys were exchanged, as I you know mentioned earlier. Um, and then so, of course, Barda and Miracle have to go back and fight um, and what we find is for me this seemed like the story of fathers and sons in in a really in a really really big way um because it was this this whole thing of like recognizing that you're a father making the choices for your child you know that you think are best being torn between those um, options and different things that could happen and you know just at your core just wanting them to to be safe and looking back at the past and saying I would never do what they did and I can't believe they did yet I'm the person that I am because of the choices they made for mm -hmm. me um, and just being sort of in that loop that I think everybody when they get to be a certain age especially when they become a parent it gets into you know, this sort of like really deep reflective state that you're just looping in. And this book to me felt like the writer is just in that loop and literally trying to figure it out through these characters. Mm. So um, you'll have so much more to say than I will, Gregorio. So I'll, I'll, I'll make it. <laughs> uh, I'll say my thoughts briefly. Um, so the war angle of the uh, of the story was for me the least interesting part of the uh mm. of the of the story i think it was um, a yeah plot device to move it yeah the idea so you know we, our, our content warning about suicide the book opens up with this guy he's just had enough he's the greatest escape artist in the history of of galaxies and uh it, it, this idea is can he escape death mm -hmm. um he attempts suicide and um i didn't come to this thought on my own i, I had to do some I really enjoyed reading about this after I read it. Yeah. Um, is he dead? Or is did he actually survive the suicide? And it really colored the shape of the book um, in how we, how we just deal with shit. Our own mm -hmm. isolation, depression, choices. And then, then the author, Tom King, I think it said he woke up in the middle of the night. He, I think he might have been hospitalized with like this severe panic attack. And when he snapped out of it, he just had this uh, different view of the world. Like, mm. it just didn't seem like the world that he knew. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what inspired him to write this. And that, you know, looking back on the story, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Do we think that, that's the war then? The, the, the battle of worlds where, you know, we perceive it as one thing. The reality is quite another. And actually, the reality seems to be far more... 
uh, brutal and oppressive than than we hope it is, and and sort of that clash is is what's going on. I mean, I think you can make the argument for that, right? I think that's what's what's pretty well, awesome I, about this is that. Just um, did. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess I don't have to think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was suggesting, like, perhaps is, is that maybe what you think? Because I didn't know that about about the author and, and being hospitalized and things. Yeah, you know, and, you know, also we shouldn't, you know, there's always this debate of, uh, actually, we talked about this last cast. How much is it important to know, how important is it to know about the author's motivation mm-hmm. to write a thing? Right. Um, and we can argue either, either side of that. But um, under that lens, and then just looking at the art, as it stands, the uh, uh, strife, the the dilemma that Mr. Miracle, Scott Free, is his, I guess, his uh, Christian name, if we're going <laughs> to say. <laughs> I think, um, gra- didn't Granny name him that? Cause yeah. Was, yeah. Was and to mock him. Right? To mock his so attempts that's his, at yeah. freeing his, himself. His, his uh, Church of Satan name, I guess. Yeah. yeah. His, yeah. <laughs> his journey through all of the shit, the stuff you mentioned, fatherhood, um, his own choices in life does he want to go on does he want to fight you know uh does he just want to be in this um i don't even know what you'd call it gregorio uh where he's with barda like this alternate reality that he yeah. uh, chooses to stay in or yeah. like all that shit is was way more fascinating yeah. to me and than it, looking back at it yeah so okay i think i think that's it for me i'll <laughs> see you guys next cast well i think Could daniel you? that's that's where i am uh, I looked at this book and like Nick, you're right. Like that, this is this is about fathers and sons. This is about war. This is about inner turmoil. This is about strife. This is about the way you view the world. And ultimately, it, it, it also posits in my mind that just like Scott, Scott can free himself from anything, but everything is a trap. Everything yeah, is yeah, a trap. Yeah. Uh, war is a trap. Family is a trap. Love is a trap. Fatherhood's a trap. And you have the choice to escape it. And he killed himself and jarred himself loose of his original reality. So he escaped death and entered this new reality just to find himself in another trap. And he finds out that, oh my God, Orion is trying to get me killed. Orion's going crazy. And then Orion, after Scott tells him that Darkseid is influencing him, He's dead. So Scott becomes high father. And once again, another trap. And then Bart is pregnant. Another trap. And eventually, by the end of this book, you see Metron come out and say, Scott, there's another world out there that you're forgetting. What do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And Scott finds himself in this this question like, this is my bullshit. I'm going to stay in this trap. But I could escape if I want. Yeah. And like that's so beautifully existential to me. Um, I, believe it or not, and, and I'm not afraid to, to talk about it, like I was, I spoke with my therapist yesterday. Now, I read this two years ago and I wanted to read it in one shot. So I read it last night after my therapy appointment. Um, and I was talking about the, the great cosmic beauty and horror that comes along with your small, tiny, massive existence. Um, and that's what this book did. I was, I was reading it. I was like, holy shit, this is everything I'm feeling. And I was profoundly moved in a way that I was not, uh, when I read it in singles, 
Um, Interesting. Yeah. So so all at once the the sort of like through line became a little bit more clear. It did. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Because, yeah, I definitely uh, thought, like, there is, a, there is a very clear attempt here. And I thought it was clever to use sort of like the, the I keep saying camp, but I, the, I don't know a better word for it. Um, no, the it's, it's that what it is. Use. You're absolutely right. It's camp. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, so, so these kind of like on the nose things, humorous things, cloaked, you know, uh, philosophy and different things like that. Um, to, to get this whole idea of like essentially perspective shifts, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, that's, that's actually your, your sort of superpower that everybody has, right. Is, is to be able to shift their perspective and see something as a trap or not. Yep. Right. And, and, and to sort of own, as you said, their shit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and see it as, uh, you know, maybe not a trap, but a gift, yep. um, you know, and, and different things like the, that, like it, it, you, and you speaking right now reminded me of, um, something that blew my mind when I was a kid, which was when uh, Zach De La Roca said, your anger is a gift. And I was taught to be very upset that I had this terrible temper mm. and, and, and never to own it and, and, and that everything that came from that was really bad. Um, but being angry is, is, is being cognizant, right? Being ag- angry is being present. And so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to, to see that this idea is sort of at the center of this um, and, and how we choose to view things is, is up to, is up to us because there's a million different things that, that want to take advantage of us um, and, and view it a different way. So, yeah, I thought that was really, um, you know, one of the things that seemed to be a connector Mm -hmm. for the story, which was great. I was wondering, what do you guys think about um, dark side's uh, equation? Um, What's it called? The, the life equation. The anti-life equation. Yeah. The anti-life yeah, yeah, equation. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was these what? names. It was the Farron knife. These fucking names yeah. pulled me out every single fucking time. <laughs> the, I was like, so the, the anti-life equation is this? Is this obvious tonium, uh, unobtainium? Like, yeah. Are we in? Are we in I mean, Avatar? That, and that, that's not a, That's things. not one of mine. Yeah. That's that's Tom yeah. Bannon's obvious tonium. I gotta that, give him credit for that. But yeah. uh, that's all. That's all the the original Kirby stuff. I mean, that was seventies comics that i mean 50 years ago uh, you know we're talking about in the 70s that would be like somebody in the comics uh putting a vaudeville joke in or something like that right sure i mean if we're talking like about the, the stretch of time you know what i mean yeah. so to, yeah. to me i guess that's 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 why um you know being unaware of that I, I i wonder what it would be like to have known that reading it through the first well that, that's that's a that's such a interesting perspective you know what i mean because like th- that was my fear like i said like the the inaccessibility um the 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 fact that you know continuity is what it is in a comics universe you know it exists yeah so they have to honor that and they have to right. say all of these ridiculous things so what do you do do you make you take it dead serious and play it straight or do you make a joke of it right and and that's the thing is like who who's who's your audience and i'm i'm not the audience for mr miracle and that, I think that's that's one of the, the things that um, I guess as a reader is tough to to recognize because you have to do a lot of work to then become the audience. Yeah, it, the more um, this this was not accessible to me. I, I enjoyed it for how I read it, which um, I, I still don't have my copy. I ordered it at the end of January. So I had to <laughs> I had to get a bootleg 
black and white digital version. Oh no, the colors are wonderful in this. I I offered I, mine. I offered mine. I know. I, so I watched. I I went to. I I read. Um, some like message boards and I watched a couple of uh, YouTube videos and I was like, fuck, I really missed out on the full experience yeah, here. So I can just so, the title pages are incredible. I know actually. So I do want to read it again. Um, but during this journey to, to try to understand this more, cause I didn't really, I, I, it just seemed like there was so much more happening that I just was, I don't, I don't get this, yeah. you know, that, like you know I what get that's... it, but I don't get it. So what I, even comic book people like who this was for they were still like fuck and then when someone like <laughs> broke something down they did exactly what nick said um this one commenter was like man i read these as they came out and after you explained it that way i'm i gotta read this whole thing all in one shot um so nick uh, Mahalik, i wouldn't beat yourself up so much i think um i don't know i'll send you guys this wonderful uh, YouTube that uh, somebody made and it it um, it just shines a light on this thing in, in such a cool way and someone even said that this might be like a classic hmm. is this like a modern classic or oh, not wow. like just not just some commenter like um, from you know comic news or us <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know what now that we're talking about it too one of the things that I knew was a thing and I knew I was on the outside was when he was wearing all of the superhero T-shirts. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Miracle. <laughs> so he's wearing a Green shit. Lantern shirt. He's wearing like a Batman shirt at one point, I think. And Batman that's, is what Funky gives to their child. Yeah. Uh, you know. That's that's the only part I felt like I had an inside. Like it's the only. <laughs> well, I was like, it's something more. I, I was like, it's got to be something, something yeah. more. Uh, for that but um yeah so what do you think about this anti-life equation because dark side uh once he gets his hands on it that's actually what uh escalates the war and, and tips the scales uh for the powers of evil over the powers of good i mean the, the anti-life equation is like the nuclear bomb in the dc universe it's like the thing that can kill everything and in the in the hands of a monster like dark side he's absolutely going to use it but but yeah. But it isn't the thing like a nuclear bomb. It, it's an insidious thing that changes the mind of the good person right. to do evil. Yes. Right. right. And, and, and so that, I thought, was really pretty fascinating. And that's where I, I actually thought there was I, I wish there was there's more of that. Mm. Like you have at one point Miracle sitting and just espousing the philosophy of Descartes, I believe. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and. But he's doing that for like two pages. And I'm like, dude, get into the philosophy you're making with the anti-life equation. Like get into get into the stuff that's unique and, and, and original. Right. Rather than um, being a college freshman who took a philosophy 101 course. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's what that came off to me as mm. um, when you when you talk to a kid when he comes back on Christmas break and he's like, let me tell you about the world, bro. And like, he's got it all figured out because he took a philosophy course. Um, and and so when I saw him just you know doing this this whole Descartes rundown, I was like um, I was like, dude, hopefully your readers already know that one, uh, and two, you have such a better thing going with this anti-life equation because this thing is the thing that might actually turn everybody around to think he maybe he is dead and really get into the the psychology of what's happening with Mr. Miracle and things like that. Nick, that is so fascinating. And I think it's the exact reversal of what you were experiencing because 
I didn't read any Camus, Descartes until I was in my 30s, you know, but I read comics my entire life. Um, gotcha. So, like, I, I think there's 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 far more people like me in terms of philosophy and there's far more people right. like in this case you with the comics and, and like it's this wonderful like weird bridge that I'm experiencing between like this philosophical yeah. existentialism and shit and, and comic nerdiness and crossing this line it's so funny because like you're 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 talking about a, a, a philosophy that in in your experience like that's you learned that people should know this Right. And for me, I'm like, I know about Jack Kirby. You should know this. Yeah, it is. It's a, uh, it's a clash of worlds. Yeah, uh, it's, it's wild. A, yeah. A modern classic, folks. That, a modern classic. Well, I mean, I think if, it, if anything, if it can if it can sort of produce this kind of discourse, it, it's got to be worthwhile. Right. You can't really deny that. And I, I um, yeah, I think my my reticence was really due to perhaps what I, what I didn't know. And just generally, I don't, you know, like I said, get into camp that much. Um, and I would have liked to have seen him break out on, on this, you know, like I said, those philosophies and things like that. But yeah, it is really cool now to think about it and talk it out. That's why we do this. Right. Yeah. I, I, I definitely am seeing it in, uh, in an interesting in an interesting way now you talking about previously. Descartes literally blew my mind away I was like holy <laughs> shit we're experiencing the same thing just in different en- entrances That's yeah totally different entrances exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean because like I was yeah. reading that and I was like I like this <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is tickling my brain stand baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is that was like um that was definitely one of the points that i made this really strong mental note and i was like i was like oh man this is i've had this conversation at the supermarket where a kid who like knows that i'm into that or would want to talk to me about it would come home for the christmas break pick up his job in the produce department and then come over and talk to me on break about the car and I'd be like yeah man but let's dig in <laughs> you know? well that's and the thing uh, it's so funny I'm reading these pages and I'm seeing the t- Scott's t-shirts and the one Superman t-shirt is a direct reference to the 1997 power change he went through in which he became a living bolt of lightning and I was like <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, this is far more nuanced than I think I gave it credit for initially. I'll say that. Um, can I bring up something that I learned that was pretty cool? Yes. Just to, um, uh, I think I think I. I, I this is going to be really weird, and I I I, <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. I think I like both of Nick's picks. Get out. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> You've never I said feel, that. I feel I feel flummoxed. <laughs> um, and it's so and, funny too because he's like lagging out right now too. So it was like computer couldn't even handle it. Yeah. When he said Wait, everything. I'm he lagging did. out. No, no, no. Oh, Daniel, Daniel is Daniel. for me anyway. He's just digitized and yeah. like dot so matrix over here. His one of the was things. Like, right. I one of the things I learned about uh, Jack Kirby and um, uh, one of the. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Hallmarks of his of his comicking, uh, <laughs> right? That's the term. Are are these things called the Kirby particles or Kirby crackle? And yeah, that's right. Do you, do you know this, Nick? I do. T- 
t tell us then. You're probably. I just learned this. I don't want to pretend like, hey, this is a thing I know. <laughs> I mean, I do know it now. It's but... like these, it's good these cracking, circular, like um, cosmic bursts in the on the page. Yeah. Um, and they they appear all over this book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like negative space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're they're in, and I've seen those. As soon as I I learned, I was like, oh, I was like, that's in that's in a lot of things. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jack Kirby, Marvel and DC. Yeah. yeah, I mean Jack Kirby. It's, it's like someone for, for the listener, though, uh, just for clarity. It's like someone uh, tuning an old school TV and the picture gets wavy. Is that what we're no, talking no, no, about? No, 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 no. The Kirby crackles are something different. They're um, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. usually like they're usually orb shaped, mm -hmm. and they're usually there's usually no color in them, so it's a uh, negative space. Yeah. Got you, got you, got you. Um, now, the, I mean Jack Kirby. Everybody thinks of of Stan Lee as like this as the guy that created basically the modern world of comics it jack kirby was the guy that made those come to life um and like all yeah. like and it's fascinating that that jack kirby just now is becoming a name because he yeah. wasn't and, i mean and i, I definitely I guess, didn't know him. i guess the reason i brought that up because that's something that's so ubiquitous in this in the comic realm that even i i'm not like well versed in comics i was like oh I, i've seen that all over the place <laughs> um and what uh, Mr. Miracle, this, this uh, graphic novel that the trade has done is it's, it just opened my mind up in, or uh, I'm not saying like it, it altered me, but there's just so much to be mined here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Daniel very rich. Daniel took DMT while he was doing, this, uh, <laughs> preparing for the cast. And that's why I might've used haze for this fucking beer part of this cast. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think... This book is 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 magical to me. Um, yeah. Reading it in in singles the way I did and and like it's a fairly simple story. You have a guy in love with a, a woman who is completely um, his protector. They have a kid and they try to live. Um, that's it. Um, but this is layered with comics, history and reverence and fun. And, and at the same time, you're you're talking about asking trauma. People, yeah, you're asking people to come along on this ride where this guy had had enough and decided to it's, try and escape. Yeah, the thing that it's we can't. It's not a happy story. No, it's very very grim. Yeah. Um. And I mean, it's, there's hysterical moments in it though. Yeah. Like uh, my, my one of my favorite parts that uh, I guess it's black comedy, black humor. Mm -hmm. Is when, uh, the, the, like, well, what's our song? What yes. Our song be. It's like, well, when we first met, it's like, babe, we met in the pits. It was just like screams of agony. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, hey Siri, play me the sounds of agony. Yeah. yeah and, right. And 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 then for several panels, it's just them in the car listening to screams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they, they, weren't they and they're laughing they're... on like uh, certain times? of the year or the day when like the screams would be particularly loud or pronounced or yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. But like, that's, that's, that's human nature, yeah. right? Yeah. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. And like, that's how we get through the shit yeah. is some, you know, once you have enough distance, you can, you can laugh at it. Um, and and yeah. we do that too. Even when we are going through shit, it's like, all right, yeah, <laughs> time to, time to, uh, you know, what, Let's feed this cat one last time before we put her down. You know, let's give her. I don't know. Like, yeah, give her I some M and Ms or something. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely, th there were a few moments where it was like, you kind of knew everything was going to be all right. But at the same time, it was like this, fr he, you know, the characters feel a little bit, it seems free um, to sort of invite death uh, or face it, at least when they're going to war and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, you could definitely like, it, it's pretty dire, you know, and they're just sort of like mocking it almost when they go back into into battle and yeah. it almost seems like the war is, is like literally life and death violent brutish shit and the more difficult stuff is like raising an infant <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like that's that's tougher for them they're more drained and exhausted and beat up when they are in those scenes at home in the condo you know what I mean? Like trying, <laughs> trying to raise it. And then the war is just like, uh, like a, a break. Like, that's fun. Like I go to the war, she has to stay home with the kid. And he's like, you know, that's when you're out doing your thing yeah. and then you got to come home. And that's like, Oh God, this is brutal. Um, <laughs> yeah. And to put it in a more perspective, um, Mr. Miracle is depending on, you know, what, uh, uh, arc or, um, you know, world you want to, you want to live in. He is stronger. Like he is the, the strongest superhero out of anybody. I think there's a story that I read where he beat Superman. Yeah. He beat uh, Thor, right? Was that something he did, Nick? No, Thor is Marvel, so... Um... Yeah, but I thought there was... Oh, there was a where... crossover. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So then how... Then 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 Barda must be... Barda's a monster. Off the Cause charts. Because she, she can... She's like... She can beat Mr. Miracle. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All the Did fights we... he loses, she wins. <laughs> and when he tries to fight the fight for her because she's at the dock with the kid, he gets his ass kicked. Yeah. And that would have been that would have been no problem for her. That was like she right. was like, ah, oh, shit, I, I forgot I made that duel. Yeah. Essentially, I, uh, I scheduled it for today and I, I got the uh, he's got to get his shots or whatever. The fuck. I oh, so, loved so, how oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. No, no, go. go. I loved how the, it was a total role reversal in their relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, from a typical um, TV couple, because I, I, I equated those like wavy lines with a malfunctioning tube television. Right. Yeah. Um, so like you have this this typical couple or reality. Yeah. Talking <laughs> <laughs> talking about bullshit, literally just bullshit about a house. And then like but they're on the beach. And instead of Scott or, or Barda leading into Scott, Scott's leading leaning into Barda. And yeah, he's in the fetal position in her lap. Yes. A lot. And the, yeah. yes, his head's in her lap a lot. And she's the dominant sexual presence in the home. Um, she's also nine feet taller. Than yes. Him, so. She's also yeah. massive. Right. <laughs> Amazon. I was actually going to ask uh, that. That was kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about was, did we think there was enough um, for her not to come off? Uh, she's clearly not like a sex object by any stretch of imagination mm. but she is naked a lot she is um and she is like very sexy uh throughout and then she has this sort of like thing where she is super strong and overtly his protector and things like that so did we think that there was uh, enough to make her three-dimensional and and not you know like in terms of not that it needs to be a feminist text or anything like that but like in terms of how her character is portrayed um, I, I, I kept going back and forth on that. I was like, there clear, it seems to be a very clear dichotomy, but is she a fully realized character? Um, you know, I mean, a fully, uh, um, a, a, a whole rounded character. 
you know, instead of like, uh, this is her role, this is what she does. I don't know if I can honestly speak to that. And this goes back to like comic continuity, right? I, I'm so familiar with this character. Right. That I don't know if I can separate what I know about her and the things I've seen in other places, in other comics, in other books. Gotcha. And say that like in this particular story, but I know all of that. You know what I mean? So obviously, so I don't know if I can speak to that. It feels, yes, it feels that she is well-rounded. But again, I've read many Barta stories that. Yeah, I didn't feel like she was a a flat character, but I did come back to like, is it is it enough a few times? And I was like, if I'm asking myself this, I might as well bring it up because Mm. I I was like, I didn't know uh, what you guys thought. Because I know that's a that's a major a major thing with a lot of of stories. Now, even with my students, I'll bring them like a new short story or something like that. They'll be like, why is the girl just this object to be taken advantage of and things like that? I was Mm. like, I didn't I thought she was a little more fully developed than that. Mm. But like, you know, and and so I I always wonder that now um, because I think that was something of a blind spot for me for a while mm. and just knowing the furies they're pretty one-dimensional yeah, these characters sure. in myth you know what i mean like they're they're like <laughs> succubus you know, like the if bill burr were to write a female character that's who it would be that's pretty accurate <laughs> well i think that i mean this question obviously goes back to like the the whole like men writing women thing right yeah like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah absolutely like it's it's true men writing women have blind spots um yeah yeah, I think in the end, I think I landed on like it's enough. Like this is the I, she's a character. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Daniel. What were your thoughts on Barda? Yeah, yeah, three dimensional. I, I thought she was uh, pretty well rounded. I mean, she pulls um, Mr. Miracles Scott's you know head out of his ass quite often. <laughs> she does too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, and that's because I guess that's the thing. I'm like, has that now become a trope? Like this, oh. this, this powerful woman who's just constantly st- sticking with this dude because she loves him, but he's he's kind of like, you know, a, a man child that needs to get it together, and she knows they're, that, they're you know. A but team, like, though. is she gonna fix him? Like, that's. I don't think it was fixing so much as it was um, commitment to a relationship. Yeah. Right. That she saw something was there, and and uh, yeah. you know, I, I also yeah. think the 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 past that they were children together. Yeah. Uh, well, you know that they were raised together essentially, um, for lack of the nuance that's going on there. But uh, yeah, I think that that actually had something to do with it, that they actually like when you grow up with somebody, they know so much about you that they actually have a much more of a deeper understanding mm-hmm. and connection to you. I thought they did a good job of like bringing that to the reader, um, and that's kind of where I landed. Where it was like she, when she convinces him of what they should do with their child. Um, I was like, this is, this is where she's actually coming, coming into her own and that this is who she is. Yeah. I think I had it like the, I'm just thinking back to it. The scene where Scott is talking about his suicide, um, and she is like, do you want to do escape from me? Like what, what did you, what were you going to leave me? Like it was what just was, this. What was so bad? Yeah, and it had to be me because I was all that was there. Yeah, I, I mean, it was such a brutal scene, and like that, I, I think in my mind that scene is where it was solidified. Yeah, that's where, and it, but it's interesting too because that's where I felt I learned a lot about Mister Miracle and and also like what 
the reality is of a suicidal person where no, they're not thinking about you at all. Right. right. It's not it has nothing to do with you. They're right. not you're not even registering one bit right. uh, on, on what what's going on in their head. Um, and then how do you say that to somebody once you've survived it? Right. You know, once you're still alive, like, yeah. no, I didn't. I didn't. I, you did. You could have not existed. Yeah. I could have never met you given where I was. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like uh, like I'd like to go back to it. I'd love to see the video that you found, Daniel. Yeah, um, well, because I definitely yeah, I'm gonna send that. Maybe we'll put that up on the uh, the all social medias as well for our listeners. Yeah. Dear listeners, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, in the end, I um, you know, I think the conversation helped me quite a bit understand where my blind spots were with it. Um, I actually and, think it helped me to see where you were coming from because my my initial nerd rage was strong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, to, 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 that's what happens you, you, when you love some, especially given how profound of an effect it had on you uh, mm. on the second the second go through and everything yeah. like that. I definitely see that. Um, but, yeah, I think one of the things that I really love that I think a guy like, you know, Alan Moore does without even thinking is is I made the I, I this is the unique thing about me. And this is the philosophy that's unique, and I'm th- and and here and here it is, and it's developed, and, yeah. and it's in a place where it's 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 accessible, um, in a way that this was still a little bit ambig- ambiguous for mm. me with the um you know uh, I, thing, it seemed like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Mm. Yeah. If I could make a prediction, and there's no way to to play this out, in, except for waiting, but I think in twenty thirty years. Um, People are going to be talking about Tom King the same way they're going to be talking about Grant Morrison and and Alan Moore. Really, I think so. That's what I was saying. That's yeah. what people are already saying. Yeah. Wow. Um, I believe that. I really do because I read the Vision from Marvel as well, and it is very similarly profound and dark. And so, so when, no kidding. Yeah. When you said that Wanda Vision is sort of loosely influenced by Vision. Yep. Um. It's interesting. I'm watching WandaVision now. Yeah, it's on, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> We're right in the middle of it. Um, and that's a great correlation. There, there, is, um, there is a similarity there. So, so uh, listeners, if you are a WandaVision, a WandaVision man, <laughs> check out this book. It's a, it, it, they, they don't go together, but there's something there. Yeah. There's, like a, there's like a note that they're both hitting. Thematic through line. For sure, yeah, domesticity cool. and yeah, different things. Yeah. I haven't watched WandaVision yet. Um, oh, it is mounds of fun. Commitment. It is mounds of fun. What are you doing? Teaching and raising a family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> oh, right on. I mean, nice. There's really no, there's no other response to that. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've nailed it, sir. Um, yeah. This is my free time, sir. Right <laughs> yeah, now, this talking is, to it, you, assholes. You, yeah, it's literally this once a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for some nerd to get mad at me for not liking a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, that could not be more accurate. <laughs> um, you made me think of something, and now I've forgotten it. So uh, final thoughts, Nick? Um, this, this was it, – it, it, it's straight literature for me. Um, it's massively poignant. Um, it's, it's equal parts beautiful, grim, and brutal. Um, uh, and it's also a lot of fun. I don't know, how, like it, it was. It's a balancing act. Um, it's not for everybody. It's just I, not. Right, right. Um, and, th- and that's the one thing I was going to ask you. That was the thing I thought of. 
Do we think Tom King is doing sort of like a cataloging here? Like he's putting things like he, he he's putting things together almost for posterity. Like this is this is the this is the tome, right? Mm-hmm. Of uh, almost not a um, Rosetta Stone, but like if you want to understand, I, I, I'm making this thing to, to to sort of open you up to all these things that we've kind of discussed here. Do we think that's an intent? I think it, it is. It's two pronged. I think it's it, it's an intent to draw in new people to to go and say, okay, I want to find out more. And I think it's also trying to pull people in who lived through those comics coming out mm. uh, in real time, and they can see how how much reverence this guy showed to the material, but also made something new. Yeah, it is a very. I, I love that about when we look back at our storytellers, and that you ha- always have these guys. You know, like the Greeks had Hesiod, right? Homer was like, these are the individual stories. Hesiod was like, here's all of them. <laughs> in in one and 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 you look back through history and and just you know being a student of storytelling you start to notice that there are these guys every so often and gals and whoever who choose to like make the thing that that is meant to last and and sort of encapsulate a lot mm. and 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 pull a lot together and, and and bring stories into into one um and so that's interesting hearing more and more that it seems like that's intentional or not what's almost going on here yeah the mass the mass a question to you too and this is actually my final thought um Sweet. uh since i am uh riding dirty over here mine looks shitty does yours have your copy uh, yeah i mean it's like some bullshit pdf um but are yours like newsprint ish? Is yeah. that one of the? Okay. The pages are glossy and heavy, but it's they're intentionally yeah. meant to look newsprinty. Okay, which is all. So your thought, your your talk. Oh, there it is. Nice. This idea of like reverence to the past by yeah. making something new. Okay, yeah. that's cool. That's that's interesting. I yeah. I picked that up, but I I didn't know if that was. <laughs> Just because what I'm dealing with. <laughs> no, that that was I, that's 100% intentional for sure. It that's just awesome. looks like that old newsprint. That's great. Which, by the way, I miss terribly. I loved the smell of newsprint comics. Dude, I yeah, as a newspaper comic man, uh, I definitely miss that. Yeah. So much. My pops used to cut it out, cut out the Calvin and Hobbes, and sometimes the Dick Tracy for me, and put them in my, in my lunchbox. Get a little silly putty. Look what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I was always disappointed on the Sundays that you really couldn't get the color in the putty. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Good stuff, guys. Um, Yeah. Wonderful. Let's uh, let's jump into the record then if you guys are into it. Let's do it. All right. So we are talking about Philadelphia's own nothing, um, which started as um, much like uh, Catherine Hannah. Uh, from Bikini Kill, he just put out this thing under the moniker of nothing, uh, as she did um, after Bikini Kill with, um, oh my God, I just forgot her her band name that she put out. But in any case, she puts it out as this as this name. He puts it out as nothing, and then he forms a band after the initial album comes out. Correct. La, La Tigra. La Tigra. Thank you there very you go. much. Oh, nice. What a save! <laughs> what a save! <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's French for the tiger. (laughs) Yeah, the tiger. She's a fucking tiger, dude. Um, yeah, so it it felt like (laughs) reminiscent of that to me that this dude, Dom Palermo, uh, he, you know, was in a hardcore band 
Then uh, dude goes to jail for a couple years for stabbing a guy. Has a pretty rough few years after that. Yeah. Uh, and then he puts out this nothing, you know, uh, album. Uh, and then forms a band. Then now we have this about, what, 10 years later? Uh well, I think Nothing's first full length came out in 2014, but yeah, I, I think like uh, yeah, a decade sounds was, good. I th- I thought I read, and I I could definitely be mistaken here. I know this is your your pick, um, but that his the this the first thing came out in like 2011 or something like that that yeah. he just put out without yeah. a band, just like For by sure. himself. Yeah, I mean it was um, like yeah, I think you're right. Now that I'm th- looking at it, yeah. In any, in any case, um. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia band. Yes, sir. Why? Uh, why we picked this one, Nick? So um, nothing. <laughs> I bought. It's depressing. <laughs> they are the the most depressing nihilistic band I've ever listened to in my life. Um, they and I believe it or not, I did not listen to this album before making this episode and putting this episode together. That seemed um, to work out for you in the past. So. Yeah. Like, I listened to many Nothing albums. Prior, like, the, the second Nothing record is is one of my favorites. Uh, Tired of Tomorrow. I love it. Um, but I didn't listen to The Great Dismal. I've heard nothing but good things. And I was like, what's better than uh, to, to accompany Mr. Miracle than, a, than an album called The Great Dismal? Um, yeah. And by a, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and and listening to it, if you listen to the first track of this album, um, which is called um, "A Fabricated Life," it's as if they read this comic before making this that record. Um, yeah. Lyrically, it is Mister Miracle. That first track. Um, that first track is uh, pretty different from the mm-hmm. rest of the album too. Yeah. It's just. That- um, clean guitar and strings yeah but with some of that like post-rock sort of uh mogwai-ish um or explosions in the sky sort yeah. of like tones going on yeah. he's got that bendy going once in a while for sure um and uh so that was that was intriguing to me that pulled me in because it wasn't what i expected at all especially doing a little bit of background on because i hadn't ever listened to this band before mm. um and so it's it's not it's not what i'd call like um a schizophrenic album by any stretch but it is different track to track it is um and and that i think the only thing for me um that seemed to be the the you know thread that kept it together was this just like very clear shoegaze element that goes throughout the entire thing it's really cool yeah i i totally agree i i think they um if you check out their other records, their other records are are, are a bit more um, not eclectic. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, but they're a little bit more of like, would you say like a one note? Like this is it is it sounds like what it is. Yeah, it's, it it sounds like shoegaze. You know what I mean? Like whereas oh, gotcha. this one, it's there's it's a, it has the soul of shoegaze, um, and does some pretty neat things that, like, it, this album is. Again, like Mr. Miracle, beautiful, brutal, and also really scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny, too, because it, at the end, and I, I didn't get to listen to it as much as I would have liked. I got like uh, two or three listens in. Um, I kept on coming back to the first track. I actually really liked the first track. I don't know if that's just because it's been snowing and it's winter and 
you know, just that's what it is um, uh, or where I'm at. But that that was the one that I kept listening to. I actually put it on one of my um, uh, mindfulness mixes for Spotify and stuff like that. So nice. um, I, I really I really dug into that one. And the rest of them, I, it was it was interesting because I kept going, oh, what is the thing it reminds me of? And I'll be like, oh, it was that Smith song. Mm. Or I go, what is the thing it reminds me of? Oh, it was something from My Bloody Valentine or something mm. like that. Like mm-hmm. it kept coming back to those like staples of shoegaze uh, from that era. There, there is, I don't know if you guys felt, but for me there was like a very interesting callback to like the 80s um, in a few different things. Not so much the vocals, but more so in those like really bent notes and warbled things that that come through um but that might have just been me because i listen to a lot of that stuff but it reminded me of this band from philly too called the guests who opened up for gang of four the last time i saw them and i was like oh shit like this is this must be a little niche scene in philly that i'm unaware of (laughs) other than to see them open up for bands that i am aware of (laughs) from time to time um i don't know i don't know if anybody else felt that but that was that was something that i kept kept coming back to i don't know if i felt that so much as i can see where you're going with that like there are some weird sounds in here um yeah and 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 sort of like a like a wash almost like a you know um an atmosphere that's built at times in in some of the songs that yeah reminded me of that i guess yeah. i like it <laughs> yeah i didn't get i didn't i wasn't picking up 80s stuff so much but um, now that you know you're in my head, maybe I will if I listen, <laughs> listen to it again. Um, but you're right; the first track is different than the rest, but it it's still much like Mr. Miracle with the different segments. <laughs> there are, there is a, a what were you calling it, Nick? A through note, a through, uh, uh, a through uh, line, through, through line. line. Yeah. yeah, and. You know, we don't exactly share the same musical tastes. So I was like, oh, here's another band I've never heard of. This is going to be, I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> so I was, give, I, was, I was ready to give this no chance. You were bracing for it. Yeah, and yeah. I put on, and I was like, huh? oh. oh, is this, is this enjoyment? Because <laughs> I haven't felt that in so long. <laughs> and that first track is deceiving too, because it's like pretty yeah. long. Actually, most of the tracks are long, yeah. um, longer than you'd expect. But like, some get intense. It should too, be that which long. Are cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, yeah, that first one especially, like, really should be that long. Like, you need that just like guitar to not change and 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 take us through to the to the five and a half or six minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're yeah. looking at ten songs that clock in at like forty nine minutes. Like, this is not a short record. Yeah, it's about that. No, yeah. Um, what do we think about some of the uh, the track titles there? Like, say less, and uh, I I do not know if that's a Philly thing. Say but, less is know, the most course, Philly shit I think I can think of. Is it okay? I yeah. think so. I think I, like that's my, what I've always associated with, but I I was like maybe that's not, and I'm just an idiot. I mean, I, I've heard students say that for a decade. Um, right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether it's as Philly as John is, who's to say? But. I, I relate that <laughs> very much so to, to Philly. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's track nine. John story less is, is track two. No, no, no. But the the one that's called John is number nine. 
<laughs> um, but, but yeah, you have like say that's very Philly thing, and then like Bernie Sanders, um, yeah. and and stuff like that. I I was wondering like lyrically, where do you think this dude is? Because it was interesting for me to get the bio like that brief bio like where he's coming from and why he made this his you know sort of roots in in hardcore punk um and just being like one of those assholes in the hardcore scene that ruins it for people yeah you know and and i wonder like if some of this is like um like idols light what do you mean idols light so like idols are, are very overt with their social commentary and what they're talking about regarding, mm-hmm. you know, uh, feminism, immigration, toxic masculinity, this kind of stuff. Like, it's very clear. And, and some of the song titles, like, will, will lead us into that. Um, but this, I thought, was a little bit more guarded uh, in yeah. terms of, like, what he was, what he was saying and, the, and, and sort of the lyrical content yeah. uh, of it. But then he has these sort of, like, flashpoint um, titles at times, like a Bernie yeah. Sanders or a Say Less and... Uh, so I didn't know if you guys uh, had any thoughts on on that. As well. Yeah, my my thought would be um, Dominic Palermo, who's who's this is his his baby. Uh, yeah. His thoughts. This was what he told to Apple Music, um, and this one about this album, and this one I wasn't expecting to kind of have that, but lo and behold, here we are. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this record's been such a strange, strange ordeal. I mean, every record we've always done, it has some kind of tragic story with it. And this one, I wasn't expecting to kind of have that, but lo and behold, here we are. The globe is on fire right now. He was inspired by a 2019 New York Times photo of a black hole. So the Great Dismal is a 10-track odyssey set for the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And he, goes, and, he, and he goes on to say the world has this, like, apocalyptic vibe. There's not a lot of uplifting things to keep your eyes on at this point. So... <laughs> And right in the right, right in the middle is Bernie Sanders. Right, yeah. dead in the middle is Bernie yeah. Sanders. And with yeah. with all shoegaze lyrics, you know what I mean? Like it's just a lot of random, not random words, but just words um, right. that that fit together. Um, only because like there's a theme for each song, but it because the the lyrics are so drawn out vocally, it sounds like a sentence, but it's not. Right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 just, yeah. Which is very cool. Got rhythm. Yeah, I do really like that. That's something that I like being like reminded of that because mm. I don't listen to it enough. Because I'm always like, I don't know. Usually, music nowadays has to have like a purpose for me, like to chill me out, to pump me up. To you know, I'm not mm. like listening just to explore as much anymore. Are you guys? That's a good question, I guess. Like, what is the purpose of music in your lives right now? Because I think, you know, as musicians, usually when we're creating, it's much different than our purpose for music when we're listening. When uh, we're sort of observers. I feel that everything I've been listening to is the snottiest shit possible. Like, I'm thumbing my nose at the entire fucking world. Um, and so, it's the only so thing that a, What would be an example of that? Like, what's a, um, a band Frenzel Rom. That? Have you ever heard Frenzel Rom? They're like an Australian no. skate punk. And the one song is called Mommy Doesn't Know That You're a Nazi. Um, and the, the chorus is mommy doesn't know you're a Nazi. Mommy doesn't know about the national front. Your mommy doesn't know about it, that. You're a Nazi sitting in your room being a Nazi cunt. <laughs> nice. So these, yeah, these, these absolute, uh, assholes that are now have a presence in the country. Mm-hmm. 
have have pissed you off to to weaponize your music oh i am i'm nothing but mean and nasty anymore like it's just <laughs> like fuck you i hate you like i'm done with this shit yeah I, that's that's super interesting because that has given me so much pause to see what you kind of knew be so out in the open and be like what's the answer like what is the artist's like role in this because if it's to say i'm going to write a story about it and then maybe that'll like when comes the point where that's not enough anymore to write the album about it to write the story about it to 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 just you know use your art to describe it as opposed to being a part of action because i don't think ever in my life except for maybe right after 9-11 then of course the obvious bullshit about weapons of mass destruction stuff um felt like it wasn't enough to just comment on it and 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 create art about it like well i i feel like the artist's job which is it seems like that's what we're talking about is to comment and that commenting is um what may inspire somebody so when i was studying right but isn't that cowardness no no when i was when i was studying acting one of the the um things that uh instructors would instructors would say is yeah acting isn't it's not brain surgery but it might inspire somebody (laughs) make believe your your art might inspire somebody to become a brain surgeon right so that's the thing that i struggle with is like the teacher mentality of if you can get to one you know what i mean that might be the one to actually do the thing and putting so much stock in other people when you clearly see a need and you could actually be a person to fill that need right and address that need um, as opposed to sitting in your room and talking about addressing the need and encouraging others to do it like i have a real problem with encouraging people to do something that you yourself don't do who's to say that some you know artists aren't oh i think many artists are right idols being a great example i think you know and 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 especially artists that have uh the means like the monetary means Mm -hmm. to go ahead and 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 make change because in the end that's really a big thing uh that's in our world what what moves stuff but like if you're like you know, talking about uh, protesting and fighting for, for rights and stuff like that. And you're home when that's a, when you, if you're able to do it and you don't do it, you know, then doesn't your art then become cheapened by your inaction? Right. Uh, there's this, there's this, there's this, you know, sort of like need uh, to practice what you preach, to be genuine to this extreme, I think. Um, so in moments you, like these, I'm talking about in, in, yeah. in moments like we're experiencing now, I'm not saying this is a universal. I think that there's, for me, these these flashpoints and we're in one where there are points in time where everybody needs to be on board because the only people, way things get done are either with mass money or mass amounts of people. People need to be um, called to action. And then not only called to action, because I think that there's plenty of calls to action. People need to, uh, oh yeah, I guess be activated. I don't know what the right uh, verb would be there. But also be led. Um, led, yeah. Um, so to, 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 that's a that's a really big question. Are you saying that nothing, uh, this album, by nothing is, is um, is it just noise? 
well, this is the thing. It's a little bit meta. So what came to me was, did this achieve an aim by making me think of that? Do you know um, what I mean? Because it, it, it brought up this, it brought up this question and I was like, well, then is that what needs to happen? You know, well, um, you're, you're, we're sitting successful. in, we're all sitting in our um, respective basements talking to each other. So I'm in my probably room in my office. Uh, it's a basement, Nick. Just go with <laughs> through lines, Nick. Through lines. As, Come as on. As if that qualification needed to be made. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck, this guy. I just get really uh, uncomfortable. Like, we're not the like, same. Like, we're not the same. I just get really uncomfortable. Like, I don't know how to talk about this. Like, I really yeah. don't. Well, so what What I was saying is, no, we're, we're not doing anything. <laughs> right. Except talking about it. We're just adding right. more chatter. Right, right. And I, I guess I um, that I cannot tell you how many hours I probably dedicate to this a week to just and chatter to 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 thinking about is it chatter or not to thinking about impact to thinking about y- y- this is this is what's happening. Where are you? So you I got to believe that what we're doing is actually helpful, because if it's not, then just get out of the fucking classroom. You know? Yes. And I think that's sort of the layer that always I I find not necessarily comforts me, but quiets yeah. this mm-hmm. is well you Listener, the same he made discussion. a hand motion that yeah. symbolized <laughs> chatter in his ear. Okay. Thank you. Uh <laughs> clarity. Clarity. Um is that I've had this conversation with thousands of students. Mm-hmm. And and that these these types of things have have been explored, and and my choices for what we do read and analyze yeah. and and stuff like that um, might I, might work there. But also, you know, I I do go out, you know. Yeah. But it's it just always feels like not enough to me, and I don't know if 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 ah, it's just it's it's. it's are you tough, rest, man. Are you wrestling with the idea that you haven't met your quota this year for ex students calling you up? Um, asking to bail them out of jail is that i mean it's only been three and i'm like what the fuck guys like how many more times do i need to have these conversations to (laughs) get to 12 it's at least 12 Um, everybody everybody's remote right now you know it's tough look i'm gonna be totally honest i am only at this moment capable of treading water like this is where i am that's another in my life like i'm i can i'm treading water and i listen to a record like like this one and i read Mr. Miracle and their grim outlook on life gives me hope because mm. of how small it makes me feel. And that I, I don't know how else to put it. I really don't. Like I, I wish. Yeah. Like I feel I feel like nothing. And not feeling like that is where I need to be. And if I'm yeah. incapable of doing any more than that, um, I don't know how else to put that. What else to say? Well, and that's well, the guy. thing is like there's there's a lot of um, really beautiful sentiment out there about like being kind to yourself and going easy on yourself, and the, and that and that you know everybody has different levels that they can deal with. Uh, and that they're that they're that they're able to to sort of like um, deal with and and yeah I think it's it's just it it's probably a me thing that's that's really in my 
own head and and that's been ingrained through various things that um makes me really question what the fuck are you doing you know yeah I, mean? I, th I think it's a natural thing for somebody that um you know has a larger world view to question if they're doing enough right yeah and i, I and this 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 climate we're in heightens that a little bit because there seems like we've you've done a lot and we're in a lot of ways going backwards and now there's so much more to be done yeah and particularly now we can't do anything except yeah add that's a big part chatter on the you know to whatever social media platform or you know we what i guess the bigger question is what is real work what is yeah and, and is it is it unique to the individual yeah yeah what's what's the bar what's what's you know sort of like when you're talking about work just doing work i think everybody should be congratulated for so i i guess i came off a little strong they're like i think every artist that is continuing to make art is doing a, a fuck ton do you know what i mean like because that's really difficult to do right now especially um but i think i just i just am always getting to thinking like if you if you are making something how much of this kind of thinking is happening when you're making the thing because i feel like sometimes art is meant to sort of turn us away from the reality that at times in history you can't turn away from yeah. and if you do you're sheltering yourself and you're actually forgetting that we are all connected you know what i mean are like, you saying that art in moments like these should be turning you towards the thing yes and you don't think that nothing is doing that i think that it feels like commentary without a call to action yeah right i mean it's I a good can, album I, it's a good album <laughs> you know what i mean like it's, <laughs> it's a fine album to listen to um but it made me think of this and 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 i'm Is sorry it, to be so heavy i it just it, that's what it made me th fucking think of do you feel like it's like picasso living it up in paris painting you know guernica doesn't that shit piss you off you know what i mean yeah. and and then you look at Hen hemingway for no reason at all picking up a gun and jumping into the spanish <laughs> yeah you know resistance I, I it's you know it's it's like i look back on him and i go i go holy holy shit dude <laughs> like yeah you're like an asshole for sure like you know he has he has his 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 issues of course but like the fact that you without thinking picked up a rifle and went into battle for a cause you believed in literally yeah. <laughs> when you have everything to lose at that point too you're a world-renowned author and that's the example you set Right, so you Don't want more of that. I want of, way more of that. Less of, I was feeling This is sad. what's happening, because we all know what's happening. Yeah. We all know. We all see. There's, at this point, there's no way you don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you literally have to be actively trying to not. But again, I'd rather people not die, too. Like, if it's going to be really that painful to face it, then don't. For sure. And I guess, I guess what's unfortunate is the people that are being called to action that 
have actually acted, you know, like marching on a Capitol, have mm-hmm. done so <laughs> oh, God. not because of art. Right. In in absence of it. Yeah. So that's With, interesting, without, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really, really interesting point that I didn't even consider. So the people um, that like art are a bunch of pussies. Jesus. <laughs> What the uh, fuck are you I, saying? I could not disagree <laughs> with that more. Um, <laughs> what I think is the people that you're talking about actively resist art. Yeah. Because they think it's for pussies. Yeah. That is. Yeah, I mean, of, of course I was being um, which, flippant. No, obviously. Yeah. But that makes them pussies because guns are for pussies. 311 nice. reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 311, 311. <laughs> All right, let's um. Who knows that album? Let, ha, let, let, let's lasso this. Let's pull it back in. Yeah, I apologize. Because uh, I'm thirsty. I yeah, went off too. the rails, and um, let's do it uh, with our various brews. <laughs> Can, uh, to 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 wrap up the album on a on a on a higher note, I think it's a I I, th- I think it made me think of this thing, which means it is in my mind an estimation good art. Right, it yeah. is good art because it, it, it makes you think and it, it, it conjures these types of feelings and responses. Um, and and they it happened col- to come out in this climate as well, which yeah. is no fault of its own. And they collaborated with um, Alex G, who is like a, nothing short of a, I guess, a local, I guess, nation, national wide indie sensation. I, I feel like the collaborative spirit on at least one of the tracks is um, that's a good flag to raise when you're, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're, commenting on something you know yeah we don't need like fucking hands across america you know type what was the one with dan Aykroyd singing on it with michael jackson oh my fucking god what album um, from the 80s i know what you're talking about because uh, we are the world yeah we are the world and uh i have that the 45 from when i was a kid and and they thought that 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 was like gal gadot and and all these that was pretty bad. singing at the beginning you know that was horrific and um i guess that is like sort of the opposite of what i'm talking it's about it's the total opposite yeah and how yeah. earnest they are singing it i mean you watch that video what is it something. like the people how are deluded like, can you be they got they got the hand it. on the, the headphone <laughs> mm-hmm. they're doing well, the if you have not seen dan Aykroyd standing next to fucking michael jackson like this looking like no i, I don't even think a deer in headlights is accurate like just just what the fuck am i doing here why me like why am i here and, and we are like oh man it's priceless Worth holding the lyric sheets yeah yeah it's amazing um anyway final thoughts nick <laughs> chooser of said album um i i think i did a great job um <laughs> <laughs> i think i did a great job with this record i think no I, I i do like this record and it just so happened that my foreknowledge of nothing um, happened to pair really nicely with this book. Yeah, um, it paired real nice. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I like grim sounding music that is at times very, very beautiful. Um, so I, I really enjoy this. Nothing's been a really, I, I've liked nothing since their first record in 2014. Um, I am I am proud to say that one of their former members recorded my band in 2005. <laughs> Nice. nice. Yeah, and their current You're drummer like, hung out during the sessions. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. I, I I live in the same city as one of these guys. Yeah. I I, <laughs> <laughs> I I actually uh, secretly thought Daniel that you were gonna be like, let me tell you a little bit something about nothing, and just yeah. like rattle off an entire just history 
uh, with with some of these some of these dudes. And then I read the bio and I was like, I don't think Daniel's. No, Daniel's uh, not into these guys. In, in the hardcore scene, stabbing no. people. No. Nope. <laughs> um, but what I, my final thought is, um, if you are listening, members of nothing, um, Dominic Palermo, uh, your next album should be called, But Good Things. Ooh. Nice. And then they broke up. Let's drink because, some beer. <laughs> <laughs> because nothing but good things. I see. I see. You, you, you said that earlier. I see. All right. It's hmm. good. Awesome. That's All good. right. Let's, let's dive in here. Great. Um, uh, beautiful. So today's selection is from Treehouse in um, Massachusetts. And uh, <laughs> let's say that. Let's let's say that over. <laughs> <laughs> it was Holy funny shit. that's just funny that's as funny as your nothing uh bullshit at the end there arguably yours was funnier <laughs> <laughs> anyway i chose uh treehouse's haze which is a double uh ipa 8.2 percent um i changed it i cha- i chose it by name only um, because I feel that Mr. Miracle and Nothing are, uh, you, they, they, they do a good job of, of making you feel like you don't exist, um, and in some sort of ethereal haze. So here I am yeah. drinking this thick ass dipper. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Cause then we have the, um, we had the fog last cast yeah and uh we got the haze this time i think that's very yeah very fitting and i of course uh, have thrown my yingling lager dude into a um, (laughs) into a paper bag dude into a paper bag dude (laughs) a waxed paper bag a waxed paper (laughs) bag (laughs) where i I pick up my medication put a straw (laughs) in it in which i keep my medication (laughs) 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 all right uh let's open her let's open them up this is uh this is just for the really for the philly reference and the dad reference i feel like dad's from pennsylvania drink yingling lager yeah <laughs> i'm drinking a murphy's stout because nice um the case was like almost 20 dollars cheaper than a case of guinness <laughs> that'll do it wow. uh and uh it's it's dark so for dark side dark <laughs> uh cheers friends cheers cheers Buddies. So, uh, mm. I'll begin because this is obviously a single note. But the <laughs> one note, the lager is a single note. What's really funny is a skunked Yingling is one of the worst things on the planet. Oh without yeah, a doubt, one oh. of the worst things on the fucking planet. Immediate it heartburn has, too. It has too much actually in it. It's not like a, a skunked Coors Light or like a Miller or a light beer or something like that, or even just a Coors Original. It, those, like, you can, they're fine. A, a skunk lager is gross, but a, a regular one is pretty good. You know what I mean? Just like a pretty good standby. I remember that for us, I don't know if you guys, but in the, in the burbs of Bucks, all the dads got into Yingling when we were in like middle school. It was like a wave. It was, it, it was a very yeah. weird thing. It was this wave. So there's Schlitzes and the other sort of pencil Strohs, Pennsylvania standbys were gone. And then all of a sudden, every dad, every garage refrigerator 
was full of yinglings and of course the garages were always open so you just walked around the neighborhood <laughs> and opened people's fridges and took yinglings <laughs> and you had cases um and and i remember i remember that distinctly because we would just be felt like we were like super high class drinking these these yingling lagers and i i i can't even tell you the last time i've had one because i think i just tapped out we brought 10 cases of yingling lager to senior week in high school that's dumb that is dumb because it's so heavy you, you can't, can't drink that all night yingling all night it's ridiculous <laughs> um in any case that's my two cents on that um, how was yours nick tell us um the actual so beer. haze is um believe it or not haze is not my favorite treehouse um they have better but this is very um it's very dank it's it's very dry um, but it's mm. also uh, citrusy enough to satisfy that that hazy New England IPA. Um, mm. And I'll tell you what, this isn't the best treehouse, but it's it's one of the better hazy double IPAs you can you're gonna get. Are um, you can we get that, that here, or did you have to go up and get mm. it? So a Is buddy, uh, it's one of Liz's friends lives up in Boston. Was coming down yeah. to visit his mother in Westchester. Asked me if I wanted a case. I got a case. Um, but they don't. That's a good friend. Oh yeah, they he, they don't offer. They make mix packs at Treehouse, right? So mm-hmm. like the case is only going to get like two cans of of mm-hmm. one type of beer, and then you'll get a, mm-hmm. t- a really large variety, um, and that'll be like a hundred and twenty bucks. Um, F and A cotton, yeah. braggadocious. Yes. No, I'll tell you right now, I spent that money, and then I could barely go to the supermarket. Had to move around. You had to move around some funds. Yeah. <laughs> you had to sell some of that game stuff. And that stuff. was that was like. Three and a half weeks ago at this point, so it's really doing its job. Yeah, that is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, get a, that, get a, good, get good a beer you don't beer. like. That'll <laughs> that's how you stay economical. <laughs> <laughs> Do you are you tasting the uh, the dipper? Is it is it dipping you? Oh yeah. The, so and are you ter- so it's in terms of the the ABV. There's there's no booziness about it. Oh, okay. Um, that's kind of what I was asking. Yeah, no, I meant like to say like if if it was dank, like the the dankness, like the that. If anybody has never had a, a hazy IPA or, or a, a New England IPA, um, it, it, it can taste like feet the first time. That aftertaste <laughs> is like kind of footy. Yeah. Um, you, I, I think we said that last time because yeah. you had a, a dip for the last one yeah. too. And that's just like I, always for me, it's that recognition and also immediate realization of how close hops are to weed. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, use the word and this, and this both, tastes you know? like somebody um, sort of like sprinkled weed on their toe and then dunked it into your drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, the, the lager's looking better and better. Right now. <laughs> no, man, I'll tell you what. If somebody's got a weed toe, put it in my beer. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you don't like it. That's what we call. Uh, no, I do like it. It's just not one of my favorite treehouse uh, ah. This is you've one heard of, of dry hopping. Gotcha. Yeah. You've, you've heard of dry hopping. How about some foot hop? Exactly. Ooh. Exactly. Nice. nice. How's um, yours, I, Daniel? It's delicious. It's um, you know, nothing's a Guinness, but I think the Murphys between the three that I equate to, you know, pure Ireland, uh, Guinness, Murphys, and Beamish, um, the Murphys is the closest to Guinness, but it's got its own things happening. I love how you you threw in the um, the the local band. Which one? The third one that no one else knows. 
Oh, beamish. beamish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's like um, slits. Well, so they don't they don't import it anymore. It, when beamish, um, it's they the got bought out beer. like thirteen years ago or something like that. Um, and they just yeah, and they stopped using exporting. the livers, right? Oh, I don't know. They just stopped exporting it to America. So mm, gotcha. Um, but it's creamy, a creamy beamy. If you can find one. Creamy baby. Yikes. Do you think like a like a eulogy or one of those really like old school craft uh bars in the city would have it? No, you just they, they don't export it. They just They just really don't. There's no yeah. way to Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Um so, let me anyway, so it's good. It's roasty, smoky, it's everything you want out of a nice um uh creamy Irish dry stout. Nice. You know what's funny is I always see it. And sometimes I'll really be in the mood for that, but I'll I'll usually default if I don't get a Guinness uh, to a Boddington's, which is the mm. English style, right? It's creamy, it's but it's ale. not the yeah. it's not the same. Um, and I always see the Murphys, but I never I never I don't even know if I've had one to be honest. It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's, Let me ask you good. this: uh, <laughs> You made me. I mean, it's good. It's good. Ah, it's fucking great, though. Um, <laughs> it's the greatest. Like Thanos. <laughs> I have conquered worlds for this beer. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Uh, where, once we can, where would you guys like to drink? Where would be, like, the place you would go, I'm going here to drink? Uh, the Stags whether it be had, a country, whether it be a bar specific, yeah. what do you think? The Stags Head Pub in Dublin and a little snug. What's a snug? Oh, my good God. Oh, come on. A snug is, um, it's, it's. I don't know little... Beamish. I'm certainly not going to know a snug. <laughs> well, a snug is, uh, it's like a little room inside a bar, a little private room. You know what these are. You've oh, I do know what those are. Yeah. Yeah. They actually have them uh, where I grew up at the Langhorn Hotel. Nice. They do. I didn't know they were named that, but they, yeah, they had, that was always the draw because there's a big ass fireplace, mm-hmm. and then there's these snugs, I guess you could say, in that large room. Yeah, it's great. How about you, Gregory? Cool. Where are you going? I want to go to Pizza Time Saloon in West Point, Pennsylvania. On a Monday night with your buddies. Yeah, buddy. We've been yeah. we've been freezing our asses off in a fucking parking lot for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to be... I, I really... Oh man, I'm so encouraged by thinking about what traditions will begin and continue. Yeah. As two separate things. Um, when we're able too like i i for some reason i don't know if anybody else has experienced this but like i really have been thinking about because i can't do anything like traditions and and things that i like want to either start or or bring back or uphold um once i can again and they're because they're just so communal you know Mm -hmm. and um yeah i think ah man i i honestly my my mind would be to go um to go to the tap house union tap house mm. i i really i miss that i miss that a lot yeah you know what i was thinking just uh this morning um i'd really like to be in your fucking basement and drinking a beer with you <laughs> dude i think about that every single time uh I, it, it's right when we get get these things started. I get super excited, and then I have a moment where I'm bummed. 
before we start recording. Yeah. And I haven't been able to place it. And just like one or two casts ago, I was like, oh, it's because nobody's here. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm fucking yeah. by myself. This is like my time with my buddies and, and, and I'm by myself. Um, <laughs> and it, it's a bizarre, it's just a bizarre, absolutely bizarre feeling because I got new, um, I got new coffee. I wanted to show Daniel. Yeah, can't check see. Out my, check out my organic Lungo, baby. <laughs> what did you get? Did you get the, uh, the, the the only one that's available? The uh, Puerto Rican one. Yeah. Yeah, it's green. expensive. Oh, the green guy. Yeah. Oh, he's braggadocious. Yeah, he's <laughs> braggadocious. That, that was two dollars a pod. Well, you know, I'm not paying for stuff. It's like, actually, yeah. I have the same one. I just ordered the uh, the green one as well. The two dollar pod one was the Jamaican Blue Mountain. Just teasing you. Yeah, yeah. This was um, like a buck. Yeah. Um. Uh, oh. Oh. Yeah, ain't that seventy cents, baby? Yeah. Um. So I guess this is depression cast, huh? It's <laughs> what it turned into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a few ways, I guess. A bunch of dudes sitting alone in their basements, drinking, lamenting <laughs> the state of the world and their their own lives. Well, I think we can tie it in. Let me give me a give me a moment, and I think I can tie it in. If we think of the uh, anti-life equation, right? Mm-hmm. And this idea of perspective and how we choose to view things because we have that capacity. Um, we could choose to go. We're fucking miles apart. Alone. In our basements. All of us in our basements. All three of us drinking. are in our basements. <laughs> or. Not in my basement. <laughs> we could choose. <laughs> we could choose. To view this as exactly what it is, which is which is a gathering and a shared experience and a, a a really beautiful time spent with friends. That's what I that's what I choose to view it as. So yeah, I flipped your depression cast. Just, to something else. Just being sad together is the best way. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, what is most of life? I mean, geez, is being right. sad with other people. Oh, the, Jesus with Christ! It's just being moments, in a cage. Moments of joy. And enjoying it. Try, <laughs> trying to Wait, is escape. that for? We're all is trapped, that, right? Are you just is that an actual line from the thing or are you are you pulling it in? No, I think I mean there there was a Dustin Hoffman movie from the eighties in which he like saves a bunch of people on an airplane and become but he he allows another guy to take the credit. It's kind of uh, hero. Yeah, there it is. And at the end of it he's talking to his son and his son's saying, like, Dad, like basically what's the meaning of life? I can't remember the question. And, and Dustin Hoffman's sure. like, Well, the way I see it is everything is bullshit. But you find what you like to do, and then you do it, and that's your bullshit. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good movie. What was it? Um, Andy Garcia. He's yeah. The guy that yep. credit. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, Vonnegut's We're Here to Fart Around. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that, that's <laughs> actually the... it's like a wonderful, beautiful philosophy that I, I have to think of and, and try and remember every day. Well, cheers yeah. to um, finding your bullshit. Cheers, indeed. To finding your bullshit. Enjoy your cages. Gents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. I'm going to introduce a rating system. Let's do it. Wonderful. All right. I am going to give, um, what's the name of the graphic novel? Mr. Miracle. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. Mr. It's Miracle. Been a day. It's been Holy a, fuck. It's been, a, it's been a, almost a year, all right? Yeah, it sure has. Next, next month's cast is going to be weird. Yeah, oh, it yeah. sure is. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Mr. Miracle, you're gonna write. You're gonna you're gonna want to write this down, Nick. Okay. Um, Christ. Give him give him a second to get a pen. 
All right. I have two pages of notes. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, Mr. Miracle, I'm going to give five out of five dangling Houdinis above a bridge over troubled water. Wow. And it once you think about that, it's like, man, that was actually that was <laughs> perfect, damn. That was the perfect rating system for this cast. <laughs> If you um, excel at anything, it's the cleverness of the rating systems. I feel, like, I feel like they're just getting longer. Like yeah. you're just like, I'm gonna fuck these guys up. They're gonna try and see if they can do it. Something, something's got to get longer over here. Oh um, Jesus Christ! I'm gonna give, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give um, Nothing's album four out of five. Dangling Houdinis above a bridge over troubled water, and um, the same for uh, my Murphy Stout. Four out of five. Dangling Houdinis. Above a bridge over troubled water. Jaman Daniel, skinny penis. <laughs> Short. It's not skinny. It's right. <laughs> Weighs a ton. No, nobody ever talks about <laughs> how much a wiener weighs. Well, uh, okay, so um, Mr. Miracle, pre-conversation, I think I would have given a uh, two out of five dangling Houdinis over a bridge, above a bridge over troubled water. Post conversation, uh, I'd be apt to give it a four out of five dangling hey. Houdinis above a bridge over troubled waters. Um, yeah, so I think that was that was a super super productive conversation there nice. for me. Uh, nothing. I will give um, their album, The Great Dismal. Uh, as well, a four out of five dangling Houdinis above a bridge over troubled water and the Yingling Lager I will give right dead middle uh, 2.5 out of five dangling Houdinis above a bridge over troubled waters. I'm such an asshole that when you said right down the middle, I was like, oh, I was thinking, oh, three out of five. Jesus. And God. then I was like, I'm not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> I could barely calculate a tip. As soon as you said 2.5, I was like, yeah, not going <laughs> All right. In honor of Jack Kirby's fourth world, I'm going to give four, five out of five dangling oh. Houdinis above a bridge over troubled water. That's like with like a David that. Blaine thrown in the, there. No? Yeah, the I just fucking A. <laughs> Try and get out of that one. <laughs> Um, nothing I'm going to give a four out of five dangling Houdinis above a bridge over troubled water and Treehouse's Haze 4.25 of, <laughs> out of five <laughs> dangling Houdinis of, above a bridge over troubled water nice nice good stuff Jinx you owe me a soda um, <laughs> wonderful guys absolutely wonderful it was uh, a, a pleasure, as always, to see you, cats. Nick, take us there, Sketch. All right. Hey, if you enjoyed our show, make sure to check us out on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash bookrecordbeerpodcast. We're on Twitter at bookrecordbeer and on Instagram at but, but, book.record.beer. Have a wonderful night. Have a wonderful month. Be well. And remember, enjoy that cage of yours. <laughs>